You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Understanding your market is the first place you should start when vetting a real estate deal. If a metro area is not growing, neither will the value of your real estate. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today is a leading internationally recognized expert on the topic. John Boyd helps big companies like Pepsi-Cola, Boeing, Hewlett-Packard, and J.P. Morgan, just to name a few, in their corporate site selection. His company, The Boyd Company, has five decades of strategic counsel and expert advice to corporate decision makers, real estate developers, and political leaders. And he's here with us on The Real Wealth Show. So, John, welcome. It's so great to have you here. It's great to be here. So you are a commercial real estate expert in the Houston area, and Houston has, uh, boy, has it had some tough times, and at the same time, there's massive growth. So what's the latest? What's going on in Houston today? We view Houston as one of the strongest markets for companies and for entrepreneurs to be investing in today. Wow. Uh, for a myriad of reasons. But you know, the first reason is just the overall state business climate and the favorable tax structure. And the tax advantages go beyond the the lack of a corporate or personal income tax, but also the property tax rates in in Houston today are much more attractive to executives of major companies in the Northeast after the tax reform bill a couple of years ago, which limited your property tax deduction to $10,000. So there's a lot of dollars and cents drivers that fuel the attractiveness of Houston. And beyond the costs, the idea that Houston has really diversified itself beyond energy. There's an exciting technology scene happening in Houston. And the city is uniquely linked to the global marketplace. How so? You have uh, you know, George Bush Continental Airport, you know, the, uh, which is the 10th business airport in the U.S. with an you know, impressive roster of nonstop flights to major markets. And you know, there's a common denominator among cities that are attracting major corporate head office projects today. And that common denominator is a link to the global marketplace. So having a major airport like George Bush is a major asset, and it puts Houston in the mix with other head office cities like Chicago with O'Hare and Boston with Logan, the New York City metro area with Newark Liberty and LaGuardia and JFK. So that idea of the unique link to the global marketplace with air travel and also your port, which connects you and connects the economy to the booming Latin American market. That's something that we always look for when we look at markets that are you know, poised to sustain growth and markets that are attractive for our clients to invest in. And it's, it's that unique link to the global marketplace. And, and you have that in Houston. How would you say Houston compares to Dallas, which has been you know, a hot spot as well? Dallas and the Metroplex is on a roll. I mean, the Texas economy is firing on all eight cylinders today. <laughs> and we see all the exciting things happening in, in Dallas, but you know, some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate. And, and this idea of, you know, historically, Dallas had a little more pizzazz. I think a lot of that had to do with the television show and, you know, J.R. Ewing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Houston has done a terrific job in diversifying its economy. You know, Houston has one of the most highly regarded economic development programs in North America, the Greater Houston Partnership, which really does a terrific job telling the story of Houston is a city that's open for business, open for entrepreneurs and professionals from around the globe. And I think that's another reason why you're seeing a lot of the you know, new mixed-use, millennial-friendly development happening in downtown and even in suburban markets like the Woodlands, which 
I happen to spend a lot of time in uh, Chevron. Is, it happens to be one of our clients. They have a major presence in the Woodlands. And the Howard Hughes Corporation, which owns the Woodlands development, happens to be a client of ours as well. And when you say client of yours, uh, what do you mean by that? We advise major corporations where to locate their facilities throughout North America. And you know, 99% of our work is in the corporate sector, advising companies where to locate. Another part of our business is advising some of the nation's top real estate development companies like Howard Hughes to identify markets that are attractive for new development, whether that be new office space development, new repurposing of vacant retail into mixed-use housing development, or industrial projects like data centers and you know, warehouses, light manufacturing projects. So is there any place in the U.S. that compares to Dallas or Houston? Because, I mean, we've been investing in Dallas for, for over 12 years, and it, it's hard to find any area that's growing quite as rapidly. You're right. Uh, the Dallas market is, is red hot. The labor market is very tight in the Metroplex. We kind of view in terms of you know, heavyweight corporate location uh, cities in the Southeast and in Texas, you know, we kind of look at cities like Atlanta and Dallas and Houston. Most of our site selection projects that look at that region of the country for a head office or a regional headquarters, you know, we tend to look at the same cities. And you know, we, we look at Houston, we look at Dallas, uh, Atlanta, Nashville is emerging as a major new corporate head office location. You have the new Mitsubishi headquarters just announced in Nashville. What about Orlando? We like Orlando. A lot of exciting development is happening in Florida. Florida is on a roll. Again, lack of a personal income tax. A lot of wealthy transferees are not only buying second homes in Florida, but they're moving their businesses and making their primary residence in the Sunshine State. The Orlando region is exciting for a number of reasons. One of the things that I'm excited about when I think about Central Florida is the Brightline expansion. Brightline is the new rail system that currently connects Palm Beach County to Miami. Over the next couple of years, Brightline will be extended via the partnership with Richard Branson Virgin Group to Orlando. And from a real estate perspective, you think about all of the exciting transit-orientated housing development that exists in markets like New Jersey and New York and Connecticut. There'll be similar development opportunities into Central Florida related to Brightline and ultimately west towards Tampa, which ultimately that's where Brightline is going to go. So a lot of our development clients are eagerly anticipating and keeping a close eye on, on developments with Brightline. And there'll be a lot of opportunities for some new, exciting, mixed-use, transit-oriented housing development along that path north to Orlando and ultimately west Orlando to Tampa. Right. I mean, Orlando to Tampa is a hot spot. We've got a 4,200-lot development there called Murata that we bought 10 years ago in the downturn for 10 cents on the dollar. And boy, are we glad we did. And Jacksonville's a smaller area, but that seems to be growing as well. Jacksonville is on a roll. The banking industry in Jacksonville is, is booming. A lot of development in Jacksonville is happening along the waterfront. You have Macquarie, the major bank from Australia, doing some exciting projects there. We like Jacksonville. Jacksonville, it's interesting. And within the context of Florida, culturally, Jacksonville is really orientated. It's a much more conservative area, strong military presence. It's almost culturally more akin to you know, Southeast Georgia than it is the rest of Florida. But the fundamentals are in place. It's a pro-business market. It's doing extremely well. But uh, yeah, I'm especially high on that I-4 corridor, the markets between Orlando and Tampa. Mm -hmm. Lots of exciting things happening. And even south, you know, from Tampa down to you know, Naples, the I-75 corridor, 
which is really emerging as one of the nation's top medical device clusters. A lot of medical device activity. You have Lee Memorial Health, which is doing a major expansion. That area is primed to become you know, one of the new orthopedic capitals of the country. So there'll be a lot of new healthcare development opportunities related to that as well. And you mentioned Atlanta. Why? You know, Atlanta is really the prime example of this idea of being connected to the global marketplace. Mm. Atlanta's international airport has more nonstop flights to global markets than any other city in the U.S. today. And they enjoy, you know, again, a very solid pro-business climate. There's a great professionalism among economic development practitioners in Atlanta. When you think about the art of economic development, it was really crafted in the Southeast, cities like Nashville and Atlanta uh, and in Texas to lure industry away from expensive cities in the Rust Belt and expensive cities in the Northeast. And Atlanta is just doing a lot of things right. It's in addition to its high concentration of Fortune 500 headquarters, you also have an emerging tech scene. You have some of the nation's top developers doing a lot of millennial-friendly construction downtown. You have the new loop that's being built around the city, which will be you know, public space and bike paths. So you know, Atlanta is now emerging really as a major place for technology operations. You know, General Electric has one of their major tech centers in Atlanta. It's on the map for lots of projects today. Interesting. Yeah, we're bringing that back on our hot list along with actually Charlotte. These are two cities we were excited about 10 years ago, and then they got hit fairly hard during the recession, but they seem to be back on track. I mean, any thoughts on Charlotte, North Carolina? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, Charlotte is on a roll. You just attracted new corporate headquarters for Honeywell. You have a very positive state business climate. Governor Cooper has done a good job working with Republicans and bringing Republicans and Democrats together to cut taxes, to craft a new incentive program. And, you know, Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte's doing very well. There's no question about that. Man, being from California, I wonder if we'll ever figure that out. <laughs> well, you know, the joke is, is the last one to leave, turn the lights off. <laughs> and, you know, and seeing, you know, an out-migration of companies and from you know, wealthy executives leaving and taking their money with them out of expensive states like New Jersey, Connecticut, and California. Well, especially when you've got an well, aging what, what, population that, you know, it's, it, every penny matters and you're not going to stay in a high-tax state if you're on a fixed income. I agree. So do you think there's any reason to be in places like Detroit that seem to be really reinventing themselves, Cleveland, uh, Pittsburgh? I mean, I know Pittsburgh made Amazon's top, I believe, top 10 list. Yeah, a lot of exciting things are happening in Pittsburgh. You're right. Pittsburgh did make Amazon's top 20 list. Pittsburgh is home to one of the nation's strongest technology clusters. You have Uber, which is headquartered there. Apple and Google have operations in Pittsburgh. Robotics Row is is an emerging center of excellence in the robotics industry. Carnegie Mellon is a leader in artificial intelligence technology. So this idea of fintech and the idea that Today, banking projects are becoming technology projects. Pittsburgh is well positioned to capitalize on that trend, and, and you know we like what's what's happening in Pittsburgh, and it, it enjoys a very low cost profile. I mean, Class A office space in Pittsburgh could be roughly thirty five dollars a square foot. In Boston's Back Bay section, you're looking at seventy dollars a square foot. In Manhattan, it's not uncommon to pay over a hundred dollars a square foot. So you have a combination of cost savings in Pittsburgh and the talent and the intellectual capital to be competitive for high-paying jobs. Wow. Oh, okay. 
we own some properties there, so I'm glad to hear that. But uh, Detroit and Cleveland and Chicago, I mean, these are areas that have their pros and cons, I think. Chicago is on a roll, okay? I mean, it's attracted <laughs> a number of high-profile corporate headquarter relocations over the past decade. But the challenge for Chicago, well, to see how its economic development office functions in a post-Rom Emanuel world, okay? Rom, despite being a Democrat, had a very good relationship with the region's business community and was able to craft incentives and was able to grow the cluster of Fortune 500 companies in Chicago during his tenure. The danger is that you know, the ultra-progressives will take charge in Chicago and introduce some anti-business policies, similar to what we saw in Long Island City in the wake of the HQ2 mm-hmm. decision. So we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how Chicago plays out. Cleveland and you know, Cleveland has is, is, uh, historically been a very mismanaged city, quite frankly, and a history of local groups competing with one another, being late to recognize the dominant trend in economic development is you know, regionalism. Cleveland was sort of behind the curve to put together a very strong regional approach to industry attraction. That said, Ohio is doing well. John Kasich is a pro-business governor. Columbus is the real star today in terms of economic development in the state of Ohio. You know, it, it made uh, Amazon's top 20 list. The Economic Development Organization in Columbus is, is very highly regarded as well. And the future of Detroit? Exciting things are happening in Detroit. I, mm-hmm. I, J.P. Morgan is one of our clients. They're expanding, investing in Detroit. Detroit has the potential to be a national example of a successful urban turnaround story. Yeah. And there's been some improvements in the state business climate. Michigan became a right-to-work state. There's some ancillary benefits to Detroit, perhaps attracting office projects related to a revitalized manufacturing climate mm-hmm. in the state of Michigan. Earlier, you know, you, you, we talked about Charlotte. Charlotte not making Amazon's top 20 was really a black eye on the city. A lot of the nation's most influential business leaders, especially in the banking industry, have a relationship with Charlotte, given Charlotte's high concentration of banking industry. They serve on boards and foundations. They're involved in lots of philanthropic activity in Charlotte. When Charlotte did not make Amazon's top 20 list, there was a very strong outcry from these influential you know, business leaders. And they almost viewed it as an embarrassment that Charlotte was not you know, in the top 20. Wow. And the city recently recalibrated its economic development program and fired Ronnie Bryant, who was a superstar in the economic development world for many years. And it showed sort of just the, the idea of a stake in a sizzle, where people today realize that economic development is about the brand, it's about communication, as well as the stake. It's in addition to the, the quantitative analysis, you know, business costs and taxes and incentives, it's about the brand and it's about the ability to sell your city, not just to sight-seeking companies, but also to the best talent from around the globe. To say that we're open and we want you to move here, we want you to bring our business here. I didn't think there was anyone as obsessed about markets as me, so I'm so thrilled to meet you. Um, Great to meet you. You know, a lot of our charts uh, from John Burns Real Estate Consulting show uh, most of the growth heading towards the southeast over the next ten years, uh, and the last on the list was the Northwest, Seattle, and Portland. But being located in California, a lot of investors still want to put their money up there. What are your thoughts on that? There's a lot of cost efficiencies associated with wealth leaving the Bay Area to go to Oregon, to go to Washington State, 
Washington State, of course, doesn't have a, an income tax either, which is attractive to a lot of wealthy folks from the Bay Area. And you look at all the tremendous success that technology industry has had in Seattle and in Portland. So anyway, when you look at you know where people are moving and you look at the usual suspects, Las Vegas and Phoenix and South Florida and you know the, the Carolinas, it is interesting to also see Oregon and Seattle in the mix. But I think it's about the lower cost profile, the favorable tax structure, and just the cultural similarities of living in the Pacific Northwest. It's the same cultural sort of mindset that you have in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. We're at our company, we're pretty excited about the Reno area because it's so close to California, so close to the San Francisco Bay Area, but so much easier to do business. Lots of companies going over the border. We've got three subdivisions we're building there now. I'm assuming you like what's happening in Reno. I love Reno. Uh, in fact, I, I go to the Hard Rock. It's owned by the Park Brothers, good friends of mine, prominent <laughs> uh, developers. Uh, that's in you know, Lake Tahoe. But I, I spent a lot of time in northern Nevada, and they have a winning recipe. Uh, above and beyond the lack of a corporate uh, and personal income tax, they've been very successful in luring workforces, luring technology companies you know, a couple of hours east to leave the Bay Area to live in a more affordable market. And you know, we're very high on the Reno slash Lake Tahoe market. One of the fastest growing markets in the region and in the nation, actually. That's very exciting. Um, my favorite hotel to stay is the Whitney Peak because you can rock climb on the side of the building all the way to the top. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so let's talk asset class then. I mean, I could go on and on and on talking about markets. I'm guessing Salt Lake's on the list too is, is hot, hot, hot. We've got a development there. Salt Lake City, again, they have a winning recipe. Uh, Governor Gary Herbert, very pro-business. You know, Goldman Sachs now has over 1,000 workers in Salt Lake City. Wow. And they've been able to really successfully market Salt Lake City as a place not only with a low cost of doing business, but as a place with premier intellectual capital. The University of Utah has one of the nation's top computer science programs. That's something that the banking industry in Salt Lake City relies upon banks like Zions Bank and Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo all have major presences in Salt Lake City. You have some new downtown development activity to make the region more desirable for millennials. They've recently laxed their drinking regulations, which a lot of companies and executives viewed as sort of, you know, prehistoric. I mean just not <laughs> so they they sort of went in the right direction in recent years and they're doing a terrific job. Yeah, we're, we're excited about that. Actually, we've got our development in Park City where you can barely build anything. So you get the beauty and the skiing and you're close to, to Salt Lake. Park City is, is really special. Sundance Film Festival is really, really special thing to do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So asset class, I mean, do you have a preference as what's emerging over the next 10 years and where you'd want to put your money? Yeah, I, I really think Florida is a great place, not only for businesses, but for people to relocate to because of the, not just the favorable tax climate, but you have a number of other drivers that I think will sustain growth here. And I think Brightline will be a catalyst for a lot of exciting development from South Florida to Orlando to the super region and ultimately west on I-4 to Tampa. I think that's going to be exciting. You have this space industry. I think Florida is very likely to be named the, the new space command center. 
which will be another generator of high-paying jobs for the Sunshine State. Wow. And would you, you know, recommend apartments or retail or warehouse or uh, single family or all of it? All of it. I think, obviously, the distribution sector is red hot. It's driven by the same-day delivery trends that Amazon pioneered. But I think another interesting segment of the market right now is is repurposing vacant retail. Mm-hmm. I mean, this nation has millions of square feet of retail space that's either vacant or will be vacant within the next 18 months. And I think the message to economic development leaders and commercial real estate leaders is to begin inventorying the space and making plans to have it rezoned in the most efficient way possible. So when deep-pocketed developers visit these sites, there's a quicker turnaround where these projects can be redeveloped into mixed-use facilities, things like a, a WeWorks component with a you know, shared office space with a residential component, you know, maybe some retail. And when you think about this repurposing opportunity, so much of the vacant retail is in really desirable locations. It's next to a major highway. There's parking. There's open architecture, which minimizes construction costs for repurposing. So that's really, I think, where a lot of our clients are excited to be investing in over the next 18 months. It's you know, repurposing retail into mixed-use purposes, residential and office space. And recreation space. You mentioned rock climbing earlier. A lot of our office projects today include things like that. Wonderful. Well, I just feel like I could talk to you for another two hours, but I'm sure you've got other things to do and markets to research. So any last words of advice as we move into what many people fear and also are excited about, the longest economic expansion in history? What are your thoughts on that and how investors can protect themselves? These are good times. I mean, the market is strong. Unemployment is at record low. Uh, we have rising wages for the first time in a long time. The stock market continues its historic run. These are good times. And I think the lesson is to learn why these are good times. The relationship between cutting taxes, when you cut taxes, you promote businesses to grow, to expand, to hire. I think we've made our nation much more competitive in the global marketplace with the corporate income tax rate cut. I guess the danger would be to revert into some but back to this idea of, of raising taxes and doing some of the things that you're hearing on the left. Right. Hopefully we can prove that all this works and, and that really creating a job-friendly environment is the key to economic expansion. I agree, 1,000%. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. So we don't have to worry. Just because it's the longest expansion in history doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's going to end. There's enough factors in place that it could keep roaring along for a while. I certainly hope so. (laughs) All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you and uh, look forward to having you back. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on in Florida and Texas markets at our upcoming live event on July 13th in San Mateo and July 14th in LA. You can get the details at realwealthshow.com. We have several teams coming out from Texas and Florida to talk about investment properties there and where the growth is in their metro areas. And if that doesn't work or you live on the East Coast, you may want to join us on August 10th when we'll be in Cleveland and we'll have affiliates there from 15 different metros around the U.S. So if you're in the middle of a 1031 exchange or just really looking to build your real estate portfolio, this would be a great event to attend because you can learn a lot about 15 different markets in one day. So I hope to see you there. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.